Hey, it's Ari again. Thanks for listening for a long time, or if you've just come to the podcast, I appreciate you being here. With the 500th and final episode coming up, I thought it might be cool to go back to some fan favorites. I always think it's important to understand where you've come from in order to figure out where you want to get to. So this episode and a few of the following are some of the favorite episodes as chosen by listeners of the podcast, members of the Replaceable Founder Facebook group, which you can join for free by going to less.do slash Facebook. And what I'd love for you to do I don't want you to leave a review on iTunes. I don't want you to go buy something from my website. Listen to the episode and then head over to www.voxwithari.com and get in touch and just let me know what you think, what you thought of it, any new ideas that you got from the podcast, whatever your biggest productivity challenges are because that's the kind of material that I love. And it fuels some of my best and most innovative ideas. Please enjoy the episode. All right, so we are live on Facebook. Everybody say hi to Mr. Dave Asprey, the Bulletproof Executive. Hey, everyone. <laughs> and we are here tonight to talk about a few things, but the big one is this new book, Headstrong. The Bulletproof Plan to Activate Untapped Brain Energy to Work Smarter and Think Faster in Just Two Weeks, which is awesome. Number so. four on Amazon today. Congratulations on all of Amazon, I assume. Yep, which is kind of amazing. It was one behind Isabella Wentz and one ahead of Dr. Mercola, his Fat for Fuel book. Uh-huh. So it was kind of cool. Like These are both people who have been on my show, people who are friends and of, of course. a similar vein. It's like, cool, so of the top five slots, three of them are like... The, the force of good. Well, that goes like with the Jim Rohn comment, right? That you're the average of the top five people you spend the most time with. So nice. there you are on the bestseller list. I, I don't with... know who the other two were, though. But... <laughs> Me. That's no. they were dragging us down. <laughs> so this comes out tomorrow, right? So everyone yeah. watching this live, you can get the this new book tomorrow. So the first question is, how is this different than the previous books? Like, what are they going to get from this book that's different? It's pretty different. And the idea is that 10% of your body weight is the battery system in your body. It's where your body makes and stores power. So in the Bulletproof Diet, we talked about like higher level things, like how do you know which foods are good for you and which ones are bad for you? This is straight up, how do you hack the battery in your body so that it makes more energy, so that it doesn't lose energy, so it charges more quickly? And the techniques are different. It's got some commonality where the things that I talked about in the Bulletproof Diet, the things that maybe uh, make you weak. What's going on here is about 2 billion years ago, we like to tell ourselves in high school biology that we harnessed these ancient bacteria, little rod-shaped red bacteria, to become our power plants. And that's how life works. But the real story is a little bit more complex. It's that 2 billion years ago, we were some sort of cell, and we don't even really know what kind of cell we were, but maybe some sort of like parasitic organism. (laughs) (laughs) And then some little red bacteria were like, look, a Petri dish, and they moved right in. They took over, and these little bastards are still calling the shots. And when you think about it, there's a quadrillion of them in your body, way more than there are cells in your body, way more than there are bacteria in your gut. 
They are a distributed system, and they talk to each other using light and using chemicals. They are sensitive to the environment around you way more so than you are and way more quickly than you are. So they are sensitive to electromagnetic frequencies, to temperature, to vibration, to light, to sound, to fuel availability, temperature. And you can manipulate all of those things and get control of them. If you do them wrong, the battery gets weak. You do them right, the battery gets strong. When the battery is strong, your anxiety goes down. When the battery is weak, your anxiety goes up. So all of a sudden, you change the environment, you get control. And where you feel it first is in your brain. In the Bulletproof Diet, I didn't talk much about how do you specifically hack the energy creation process called the Mm -hmm. Krebs cycle. This book is like, how do you make the Krebs cycle work better? And when you do that, it's like taking your car into the performance upgrade shop and getting a turbocharger on the engine. Like, it's the same engine, but it makes more horsepower than it did before. You're going to feel it in your eyes, in your brain, and in your heart, the most energy-dense parts of the body first. And, of course, the rest of your body doesn't mind either. And it's an awesome way to approach this, too, because... There's a thousand diet books, obviously, right? And everyone has different takes on different things, which is actually one of the questions I want to ask about too. But taking this approach of how can we just have more energy basically available to us to do whatever we want, right? And and this isn't a diet book. I I talk about some nutritional things. It's maybe 10% of the book. This is how do you change the environment? And the diet is one environmental variable. It's an important one. But I I can tell you, (laughs) if you don't breathe, the diet isn't very important, right? (laughs) Of course. Well, and also, if anybody familiar with the diet, you very elegantly distilled your diet into a one-page PDF, basically. So clearly, there's. I mean, and and I've got notes and folds and things I want to talk about. There's all sorts of equally important things that come up other than diet. Right. Um, So you mentioned the Krebs cycle, which is something that is so hard to explain to people, I find at least. So is that something that you could distill for us in about 30 seconds? In about 30 seconds. (laughs) Or a minute. Your cells have a way of taking in energy primarily from glucose, which is sugar or carbs or protein when it's converted into those, and fat in the form of ketones. And it comes in at the top of the cycle and it goes through several steps. The real Krebs cycle is an entire wall, like this wall full of like 10 point fonts. Yeah. It's really complex. But the primary big steps of this thing are like seven or eight steps. And throughout there, it spits out, as, as you go around the circle, it spits out three electrons. And you run on electrons just like like in The Matrix, you know, when he climbs into the yep. car and she goes, shut up, copper top. Like, <laughs> that was like as accurate as it's ever going to be, right? And instead of producing those electrons, putting them in the electron transport chain, which is like where you take them and then you put them in this and then they get used. If they leak out, they're high-energy electrons and they cause inflammation. In the Bulletproof Diet, I wrote about all these things that cause inflammation, but the root connection between every single thing that you can think of, even the Labrador brain from my first book, it's mitochondrial behaviors. So inflammation is a mitochondrial side effect of leaking mitochondria. What we're doing in the Krebs cycle is we're making sure that we make electrons and in Headstrong, we're making sure the electrons stay where they're supposed to be and that you make them efficiently. If any little element is missing or there's other signals that tell to slow down, you just won't make energy the way you could. Right. Okay. How does somebody approach this? If somebody is a high performer, as they might consider themselves, maybe they're an Olympic athlete even, and obviously there's all sorts of things in the Bulletproof diet and the Bulletproof way of life that can help that person, but also somebody who's, you know, a couch potato, basically. Mm -hmm. So what's the difference, you know, because it's two weeks, right? So what's the difference for those two kinds of people when they look at this book? Well, they're both going to be able to see a benefit. The odds of the athlete having functional mitochondria are higher. But 
48% of people, couch potatoes or not, under age 40, have early onset mitochondrial dysfunction. That means that the battery doesn't take a charge or, or carry a charge the way it should. And over age 40, everyone has mitochondrial dysfunction, but we don't consider that early onset. It's called aging. <laughs> and I can tell you, in my case, that's early onset. If I have mitochondrial dysfunction when I'm 80, that's early onset mitochondrial dysfunction. Like, uh-huh. like, screw that noise. That is not where I'm going. And since it's measurable and it's it's eminently hackable, and in Headstrong, I tell you straight up, here's how to kill the weak mitochondria so the strong ones will take their place. A little bit you know, nefarious and Machiavellian there. But that's how these guys are, because you know what they are? They're stupid little bacteria, and they only run on four rules. And when you realize that, you realize you run on four rules, too. And it, it's actually, the implications here are a little bit scary. Yeah. Uh, since these guys decide whether cells live, whether cells die, whether cells turn cancerous, how much energy you make, and let's see, whether you can grow new neurons, uh, all of these things are mitochondrially derived, not from you. Yikes. So they run on those things. If you're weak, then you should die. <laughs> and if if you're strong, keep doing what you're doing. And, and it's, it, it's unsettling because if you look at the bacteria operating system, what a bacteria actually has to do to stay alive, it looks a lot like the Labrador brain in the Bulletproof Diet, which means eat everything so bacteria consume all the fuel they can get so they don't starve to death. It's really straightforward. You don't have to be a smart bacteria to do that because there's no such thing. You're just a bacteria. You only have basic rules. Then on top of that, run away from, hide or kill scary things. And uh, make sure that you reproduce, you know, have sex with everything. Those are the basic bacteria operating system to survive. If you do those three things and you have something left over, you might also consider building a community. This is where biofilms come from. This is where kombucha, scobies come from, right, where, where you associate with others. Right. Now, other than that fourth one, which happens when you have enough energy, have you ever done anything that you're ashamed of that didn't come from one of those three mitochondrial behaviors? <laughs> no. No, all of us are that way. Procrastination, yeah, that's hiding. Sorry. So here's the theory. There's a quadrillion tiny semiconductors spread throughout your body. Those would be your mitochondria running these three rules. And they're sensing the environment around you, running those three rules billions of times a second. There's something called emergent behavior that happens. And the things that we feel as anxiety and stress and and a lot of the, the things that are our more base human instincts are coming from our battery system. They're rolling up and we take them to be us. It's not us. It's these little bastards who took over a long time ago. They're useful. But if you put them in charge, you're kind of a jerk. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I mean, irritability is certainly one of the uh, symptoms of not having that control, I would say, or not being in the the shape you should be. Is there a way to measure mitochondrial health? There are various ways. You can look at mitochondrial metabolites, uh, things like in a urine test, an organic acid test. But the gold standard right now is an oxygen test uh, where you actually look at your efficiency of oxygen utilization. Your mitochondria work well, you use oxygen better. So there are a Mm. few labs, not that many, where you can go in and do this kind of thing. There are other tests where they'll expose your mitochondria to certain oxidizing stressors and then see how well they survive. And you can get sort of a strength metric there. And what we're finding is that there are many different mutations of mitochondrial DNA. And the mitochondrial DNA is only from your mom, and it's relatively stable compared to our DNA. But since mitochondria decide which of our DNA gets expressed anyway, these guys are still in charge. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of people who get chronic neurodegenerative diseases over time because the mitochondria are optimized to let you have babies. (laughs) After that, get out of the way, get out of the way. So there isn't really a human selection process that says we want humans who aren't going to have mitochondrial dysfunction over time. So the level of resilience you have over time goes down. 
And some, some new research is coming out about these things that, that's kind of interesting. It means if you can keep the system strong, your odds of living a very long time go way up. But more importantly, your odds of living well for as long as you live are almost guaranteed. Tell me about the oxygen test, because I don't know about that one. So what are they just, are you breathing in a closed space, or how does it work? It's basically um, almost like a calorie chamber. Yeah, and okay. what they're doing is they're looking at the efficiency of utilization of oxygen versus CO2. So the more efficient your mitochondria are, the better you use oxygen. So they look at the amount you're breathing out versus breathing in under a defined load. Gotcha. Okay. So one of my big questions, because I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with a lot of the things that you do. I've been following you for a very long time, um, and we've had a relationship for a long time. Is, is there ever concern about being too clean? So I, I think about like maybe like your, your kids. So I saw the, the picture of Alan the other day who crushed his own beans and made the espresso, which was great. <laughs> Has he ever had gluten in his entire life? Oh, he's had gluten a couple times. <laughs> okay. So I'm j- I, and not that it would be tempted, but I'm, I'm just curious that if you think about hormesis, mm-hmm. right? So if, you know, he's in college and something and a girl wants to go have a hamburger and he decides to have some of the bun, like what, you know, what happens in that case to somebody? Well, he'll be more resilient than the average person That's because he has a well-functioning system. Yeah. And hormesis is a great thing. And the idea there is, if you don't know the definition of hormesis, it's you know, what doesn't kill me makes me stronger. Right. And hormetic stress is exactly what Headstrong is full of. But most of the stress that you put yourself under isn't hormetic. Like anxiety, it, it doesn't make you stronger. It makes you weaker. It's mm. a form of stress. And having a death in the family, it's just stress. Sorry. Like, like there, there's no... Ugh, factor yeah. from it. So you get this this really kind of uh, it, it's a masochistic thing that people get into. Like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do this, uh, even though it, it hurts, but without questioning whether there's a benefit or I'm gonna do too much of it. Like I'm gonna exercise like I did an hour and a half a day, six days a week, half cardio, half weights, because what doesn't kill me makes me stronger, and I'll be damned if I'm not gonna lose a hundred pounds, even though I didn't lose a hundred pounds because I got inflammation right. that was in part related to over exercising, right? So. Hormesis is powerful. It's just neurotoxins are not hormetic. Things that cause double-strand DNA breakage in your mitochondria, like blue LED light or like mycotoxins, they are not hormetic. There is no benefit to doing that, right? So the idea is stop the kryptonite things that make you weak without a benefit and increase the things that cause your mitochondria to get stronger. Like at the end of your hot shower, turn the water on cold and stand there for a minute, even though it's uncomfortable for the first few days until you realize, actually, it's not that uncomfortable. It doesn't matter. (laughs) So occasional bouts of discomfort, high-intensity interval training, Good move, right? These are things that cause hormesis. But for every one of those, there are a bunch of like, (laughs) I just have to, to like, maybe they're well-meaning, but usually they're just kind of trolls. We're like, well, if I eat my, you know, my Kentucky Fried Chicken once a week, uh, it's going to make me stronger because of hormesis. And you're like, on what planet? Like, you're going to incorporate all these damaged fats into your mitochondrial and your cellular membranes, and they're going to create free radicals that don't benefit you. You could create free radicals from exercise that go away when you recover that do benefit you. So, you know, eating crap doesn't make you stronger, and it never yeah. did. Yeah. Well, and, and which is a very important side of that point. But then the other one, too, though, is then if you are living this really high-performance life, does that obviously you're going to be more resilient because of mitochondrial function and everything, but does it make you more susceptible to, uh, you know, if, like you, for example, I know that you've said many times that you can sense it if you walk into a room that's moldy, yep. right? So 
you know, it's it's almost like a obviously I'd want to be in a more high performing state, but somebody who is already foggy and is not healthy might not experience that, right? Because they'd already be in a damaged state. It, yeah, if you feel like crap all the time, <laughs> well, yeah, uh, yeah, you're you're like, yeah, I still feel like crap. And it, in fact, many people, I'll even go as far as to say most people are used to feeling the way they feel, yeah. and they have no idea how they're capable of feeling or performing. And that's why I wrote Headstrong. I'm like, look, it's two weeks. Like, test this stuff out. And when you do this, you either are going to feel nothing, in which case you didn't win, or you'll be like, let's see, everyone over age 40 and at least 50 or whatever, 48% of people under age 40. And I'll tell you, the ones who don't have early onset dysfunction still have room to improve. So like most people feel something. If you are a top level athlete and you're 22 years old, you know, unless you're really tired or you were really drinking a lot last night, your mitochondria are probably doing okay. Right. Yeah. So, no, okay. And I just, I think it's an important point for people to recognize that, you know, because there's the uh, the idea of the cheat day, you know, that people bring up all the time, which it, I don't, yeah. I, I think that you're just setting yourself up for failure, it, honestly. It, it doesn't work. Yeah. It, it never has worked. The first guy who came up with the cheat day idea was named Rob Fagan in the 90s. And he was one of the first natural bodybuilders. I know because I got his book when it first came out in the 90s. And it was actually a profoundly good book. And when you look at, at his thing, it, it was, you know, have this cheat day thing. The problem is that when you eat stuff that causes damage for four days in your body, causes endothelial inflammation and reduction, and endothelium is the lining of your arteries that basically pumps chemicals into and out of your blood. Mm-hmm. So... You're doing that stuff. Oh, and you're turning on food cravings for several days. And if you're dealing with any of the casein and gluten with things which trigger opiate things. So what happens is on Friday or Saturday, you have your cheat day usually, right? And then Sunday, you're kind of okay. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you kind of feel like crap and you're digging away out of the hole just in time to do it again. The I know I, the Mondays. <laughs> I, did, I did this for years when I was on the Atkins diet, when I tried all these other things. Bottom line is you can have a day where you cheat. You might have like a ton of carbs. You might even have some sugar, but you don't have to like l- cover it in red food coloring, neurotoxins, mycotoxins, Roundup slash glyphosate, some genetically modified corn, and like, I don't know. So Taco Bell basically is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like some pieces of plastic frosting. I have no idea. But so the cheat day doesn't mean self-destruction. I actually think that's that's a bit of a... It's actually psychologically damaging, the cheat day, because what you're doing is that I'm going to reward myself by punching myself in the face with food. Like, it, come on. Like, like, eat something you love, but make it high quality, and you can degrade it. So, look, this isn't my perfect performing meal, but I don't need to perform all well tomorrow. But still, you want it to be nutritious and not pro-inflammatory. I just, I can't get behind that because I see it and because I felt it when I was obese. Well, the other thing that I think is a problem with it psychologically is that you're basically setting yourself up to feel like the diet that you're having or the food that you're eating is actually not enjoyable and not good for you. So you have to reward yourself for going through that pain of eating, right? (laughs) And so when I think about that, the first time you and I met, we had lunch at this place, Bear Burger. And uh, I basically I said I'll order whatever you order, and I don't. You're probably not gonna remember this, but you got a a a, a large grass fed burger with a, an entire avocado on it, two slices of bacon, and then when it came, you took out a soap dish of butter, and we split it. <laughs> and the person next to us, his jaw dropped to the <laughs> he was floor, like throwing up on his. Well, plate. and you looked at him, you were like. Just wasn't enough fat, you know. So, but the thing is, it's like so. That's what you're cheating on, right? Like that to me was like one of the most delicious lunches I've ever had. Yeah. But so the idea that you're telling yourself that I have to make it through the week, I, 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 we don't have that much willpower. I don't use any willpower on on this stuff. It's just not necessary. And like you said, I, I actually think that the cheat day is a bit of an eating disorder too, where you look it's at binging. yeah, it's it's binging. And look, it, it's one thing to say it's a holiday. 
right? It's a wedding. I'm going to have a piece of cake. That's not necessarily even a cheat day. You're like, I, I don't do that because I know that I pay <laughs> for gluten really, really heavily. So it's just not worth it. But if it's worth it to you, rather than look at that as, oh my God, I got my reward. I slapped myself in the face. Like, you know what? I took a hit, but I did it with consciousness and I did it because it was worth it. Right. And I, I just respect that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, one of the questions that we, that uh, Nick actually had, my, my co-host, was uh, about him specifically, and he has high cholesterol. Yep. And his cardiologist is telling him no butter, no eggs. And Wow, how 1970s. Yeah, so I told him that, and we, you know, we, but we wanted to, <laughs> I, I figure there's a lot of people that go through this kind of thing, obviously, and sure. so I wanted to ask you on here. So I actually have his numbers, which I can tell you. All right. So his cholesterol total is 261. Mm-hmm. Uh, his triglycerides are 88. His HDL is 104. Oh, nice. Yeah, and and his LDL is 139. Mm-hmm. So basically, they want to put him on statins. And is there anything about inflammation in there? So that's well, no. There okay, is, so number one, I, I'm sorry, and I'm looking at you, cardiologist, listening to this. If you're not running inflammation panels on people to prove your theory about cholesterol, you are not doing your patients a service. There's a Hippocratic oath. Inflammation panels are required to be a competent cardiologist. You can take away my license for saying that because I don't have a license. But seriously, it is not okay to tell someone to go on statins, which are mitochondrial poisons, because their numbers are moderately high, even though his protective HDL is extremely high. So if there is no evidence of LPPLA2, which is an enzyme that's released or a protein that's released when there is damage to the lining of the arteries, show me the damage from the cholesterol because I can measure that and so can you if you just order the tests. And the one caveat that he wanted me to bring up to is that his father had a heart attack. There's a history of family of mm-hmm. heart disease in the family. That's great for sales. <laughs> well, and so even more so why they wanted to put it on statins. My dad had a heart attack too. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and the thing was, too, is that I've known Nick when he was on statins and off of statins, and I think that his memory is better when he's off Of course it is. Yeah. You, you take a poison that, that ruins the battery in your body, it's going to affect the brain first, because that's where the most mitochondria are. Like, statin drugs have a place in a few cases for short periods of time, probably, but to put someone on those for life, you're dooming them all sorts of bad things as they age, because poorly functioning mitochondria equals cancer. Actually, can you explain that link, too, for people? Sure. Um, I've had a couple guys on the podcast uh, talking about this exact thing and something called the Warburg effect. When a cell turns cancerous, it's because the mitochondria in the cell can't make energy anymore using oxygen, so they switch to anaerobic. And our bodies are are amazing in that we are such energy pigs that we are designed to get energy almost any way you can. We can do it from sugar. We can do it from fat. We can do it from protein, although it's not really that good for you to get your energy from protein. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can also get it from sunlight, believe it or not. Not enough to necessarily live on. I don't think sun gaze is going to work, but we do augment this, especially in our eyes and our brain. Uh, we can get energy from breaking water apart using melanin, this dark compound we have. And if you eat enough dark leafy greens, you can actually hijack chlorophyll and make additional <laughs> additional energy. This is These aren't huge amounts of it, but our bodies are like, can I have some more electrons like right now? It's like the Mr. Coffee on the back of the DeLorean. And the it, <laughs> it really is. And like Swamp Thing is real. <laughs> That was one of the things that I needed to bring up because people always talk about it. And the thing is that for the doctors to say, don't have eggs, don't have butter, it, it's it's like the wrong problem. To, it's like, the, well, the, it's, you know. The American Heart Association has announced that cholesterol is a nutrient of non-concern. They basically held up the white flag and said, we're sorry, we were wrong. 
right? Now they're saying, but still, you should pay attention to saturated fat. And here's the deal. Saturated fat doesn't turn into free radicals in your cell membranes. It's one of the most stable fats. So if you're eating undamaged saturated fat from the right sources, and newsflash, there's a bunch of different links of saturated fats and they do different things. But if you're eating undamaged fats that fit in your cell membranes, you are going to be doing yourself a favor. And that's what healthy cell membrane has. It has a substantial amount of saturated fat, a moderate amount of undamaged omega-6 fat, and some omega-3 fat. And most of the time, we have way too much omega-6. It's highly damaged. We have not enough of the saturated fat and not enough of the omega-3 fats. Oh, the other thing is, so his number for triglycerides was 88. So generally, if you're under 100 on triglycerides, your carbs are in good check, right? It's a nice number. I would guess, without having anything other than that, that if we ran an inflammation panel, his number is going to be pretty good. Yeah. And if his... Uh, LPPLA2 is low, if his C-reactive protein is low, and his homocysteine is low, and his doctor wants to put him on drugs, I just got to say this. You should ask the doctor why, and you're probably going to get kicked out of his office. If they kick you out, don't pay. <laughs> yeah, and they didn't do LPPL. Um, they got VLDL, but no Yeah, LPPL. just particles. No, yeah, yeah, and no, um, no HSCRP or anything. They're going to put him on a life-threatening, energy-stealing drug for the rest of his life without complete data. Like, come on. Like, can we do better than that? We have the most expensive healthcare in the world, and we're not even running basic inflammation panels. Like, it's shameful. Well, he's adding mild aortic plaque. That was the last one that he just wanted me to put in there. I, I mean, I, I number one, I'm not a cardiologist. No, I know. But, but, no, but number two, like, I would want to know what's in the plaque. Is it calcified or not? And I'll even go so far as to say, you know, if you have plaque like that, fast for a while. Or this will be even more shocking. Go on a, on a zero-fat diet for a few weeks. Just don't live on a zero-fat diet because you'll feel like crap and you'll look like crap. Yeah. Yeah, well, so his coronary calcium score is zero, so. Okay, so it's not calcified. He has a little bit of of stuff going on there. He probably needs to do some cold thermogenesis and fast for a little while, and he'll be fine. There you go, Nick. I actually, it's funny, because we were talking about intermittent fasting the other day, so that's. um, Don't eat for a week, Nick. Come on. (laughs) He's in London, so I don't know. He can can just abstain from things. Uh, (laughs) So what are the top three tests that people you think should do to either get a baseline? And I know there's all sorts of different people. um, So if you want to give like subsets of maybe somebody who's not in great shape, somebody who is young or old, whatever, but what are like the three tests that are exciting you right now that people should do? Well, I don't know that that going into testing, it's not the main focus of Headstrong to to test these things. An inflammation panel, though, is something that everyone should have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the advanced inflammation markers, the ones I just talked about, are are just terribly, terribly important. I believe everyone owes themselves an advanced thyroid panel because even if you have, quote, normal thyroid, if you are carrying no extra weight and you have perfect energy, then don't worry about it. But if you have a little extra weight and your energy isn't where you want it to be, subclinical thyroid problems are really common and they won't show up in a normal thyroid test from a normal general practitioner. That's why you want the advanced one. Okay. From there, having your sex hormones is really important. Whether you're a man or a woman, you just have to know, where's your testosterone? Where's your estrogen? Where's your progesterone? And on women, you may need, if you're especially dealing with issues with that, you may need to have something that lets you get your uh, your monthly cycles. You may need to do a daily test or a test several times a month in order to get it. Guys, we have a little bit less variance. Yeah. But uh, that said, if your testosterone isn't where you want it to be, like you're not going to like your life. And if your thyroid is off, you're not going to like your life. And these are so common even amongst people under 30 these days, that you just need to do it. Well, and for the hormone test, do you like the Dutch hormone test by any chance? Or what what do you like? I I think it depends on what functional medicine practitioner you're working with. Um, It's 
there are different people who work with different labs and there's actually a reasonable variance between different labs. So if you have a practitioner who works with lab number one, they'll see the difference in lab number one and they know that lab. And if you come up with data from lab number two, the changes over time matter importantly, but the baselines can be off substantially. Like some of the best guys I know, uh, one guy who's been in practice for 35 years, Dr. Miller, um, who's just recently out of Los Gatos, uh, one of the first guys to call himself an anti-aging doctor and someone who helped me out when I was 26. He's like, uh, Dave, your mom has more testosterone than you? He's the guy who told me that. Thanks, Dr. Miller. <laughs> um, he, uh, it was true, too. He says flat out, like, he calls the labs. And he's like, oh, no, you have to send the blood to that lab, like, to the center at the lab. Because if you send it to the other one, the results aren't reliable. Because, like, there are problems in some of the big lab companies that, have, that aren't that well known. So if you have a good practitioner, they're going to send your blood to the right place. But you'd like a blood test for hormones, not the urine test. I think so. So, yeah. Well, I'm interested why, though, because you know, with, to me, it seemed like the, the Dutch test was good just because you're doing five throughout a 24-hour period, so and you're getting that sort of, uh, you know, that bigger picture. But I guess uh, you can get the, more of a snapshot. The blood tests are, are much better studied. Uh, sure. However, getting multiple points in there are important. One of the big things in Headstrong... And by the way, Headstrong, it's it's a two-week program to, like, get your mitochondria working better. Like, that's the, the crux of it. But I tell you the whys in the house and the science behind it with the references because people want to know. And a lot of the stuff is like, whoa, didn't know that. You can do all sorts of, of crazy tests and you can look at all sorts of different ways of having your head work better. Uh, but end of the day, I have no idea what I was going to tell you there. <laughs> I've been on Bloomberg Marketplace. <laughs> this is like my 18th interview today. And I totally forgot I was going to tell you. I almost bullshitted you, though. You were following me for a minute, weren't you? See, guys, this is what professional interviews do. I was like, it's going to come back. It's going to come back. I'm putting my glasses on now. <laughs> we're talking about Dutch hormone testing and blood testing. Yeah, I was, there we go. I said, thank you. See, that doesn't happen to me normally. I can tell you, though. I landed at midnight. I got four hours of sleep and almost two hours of deep sleep. Not much REM last night. And God damn it, I lost a word. But it was my last interview of the day. All right. You I'm haven't said on once, though, so. I have not. <laughs> and now I'm wearing my True Dark glasses, which make me look totally like. me my next question about that. I but. look like Cyclops. But the reason I put these on is to remind myself that we were talking about circadian rhythm. May I? Yeah, absolutely. So circadian rhythms are a huge part of Headstrong because these are <laughs> you, cool. you look cool in those. Yeah, it's a, it's a fresh shaved head. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Just wear those for like five minutes and your okay. brain will totally change. Like no it, problem. It'll shift you down in a, in a good way. The mitochondria that we have are built to float in the ocean <laughs> where there's daylight and food and sunlight, and then there's nighttime where you go down and it's cooler. Your body is based on these rhythms, and your hormones fluctuate. Your acid alkaline levels fluctuate. Everything in you fluctuates based on these daily rhythms. And the glasses you're wearing, they're called True Dark, and they're from biohacks.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-D.com. Mm -hmm. They filter out every frequency of light that affect about 5% of the cells in your retina called the melanopsin sensors. Yeah. And they're patented, which is kind of cool because it's just a, a subset of the, of the filters. They're very different from blue blockers and they come paired with blue blockers you can wear during the day for blocking out blue light. But when you wear them in the evening like this, what happens is the mitochondria are like, oh, it's nighttime. It's pitch black, even though you can still see. So you can look at your yeah. phone, you can fly. And I wore those things on the airplane out 
uh, which meant I went to sleep with effortlessly last night. I got a lot of deep sleep, which is uncommon when you're crossing three times and it's going to sleep. And the only reason I got like four hours of sleep is just that I landed around midnight and then I did some things like emails and some communication got ready for the day, got some sleep and woke up. And I've been literally back-to-back interviews all day long. So it's been a pretty heavy cognitive burden day. And those things absolutely help me do it. Feels like I'm the Terminator right now. <laughs> you're, you're basically hacking your mitochondria. In a little while, your eyes will get used to the fact that some colors are cut out. You're basically a little bit colorblind right now. Right. Because the blue spectrum and some of the green and some of the other parts of the spectrum do affect these melanopsin sensors. And I've even had the fortune of going to the Salk Institute and looking at melanopsin cells under an electron microscope with the guys doing like the core research on this stuff. And what's going on here is we didn't know those cells were any different, but those cells are not connected to your vision at all. They're connected to the SCN, which controls your your night, your daily night vision thing. Gotcha. What I find is fascinating and what's in Headstrong is like, okay, how do we control this? Dimming the lights at night is a huge thing. Blacking out the lights in your bedroom at night is critically important. Now, I figured this out, what, 10 years ago when I was hacking my own sleep and tracking my sleep. So I'm I'm getting all excited about this because I know I sleep better. My data shows me I sleep better, but I couldn't tell you why I slept better. Okay. So... Now I can, though. Yeah. Obviously, you're wearing these when you travel, but how, like, if you're just at home, would you wear them for, like, blue blockers for, like, an hour or two before you go to bed? Well, these aren't blue blockers. So blue blockers have a mild effect on sleep. These have a profound effect on sleep. So I would say wear blue blockers during the day under LED lights. Like, that is a really good plan. But wearing blue blockers at night and expecting them to improve your sleep when your melanopsin sensors are still activated... It, it actually, it's not a complete solution. It's a partial solution. So what I do is I wear these for an hour before bed. Uh-huh. Uh, or if I'm staying up really late, like when I was writing Headstrong, I wrote most of that book between 11 p.m. and 5 a.m. Because I have a day job. I'm like a CEO. I'm a dad and a husband. And like a Webby Award-winning podcaster, New York Times bestselling writer. Like I don't have time to fit it in, but I am a, a night owl or what Michael Bruce calls a, a wolf. And that yeah. my natural performance window is later in the day. But I'm not going to break my circadian rhythm. So I wear the glasses or I have uh, – my office has – red LEDs with no other lighting. Like everything is blacked out except those. So it kind of looks like a, a submarine or a, a house of ill repute or maybe both. <laughs> and the neighbors think I'm Dracula. But <laughs> it doesn't really matter, right? <laughs> and I, I, my, my, I'm honoring my battery by doing that so I can wake up the next morning and be like, all right, I'm good to go versus I'm, I'm a zombie. So I'm actually a wolf too, according to Dr. Bruce, which is funny. And so how much sleep do you usually get? I get six hours a night, and I say that, I'll tell you my numbers. And you're getting that from the Aura Ring I can see, right? Which... Oh, well, I, I have the Aura Ring, but I don't have enough data on that. So I've been using Sleep Cycle. I've been recommending it for years. So I have, let's see. You think that's really accurate enough with the, the vibrations in the bed? In terms of the number of or number of hours you're in bed, it's quite accurate. Yeah. In terms of the sleep cycles, it's more accurate than nothing, but nowhere near as accurate as the Ring. So I have had an average of six hours and five minutes of sleep for the past 1,474 nights. Wow. That's a pretty good uh, streak. Well, I mean, the, the, so last night was four hours and 20 minutes. Night before it was about five hours. Night was before six and a half. Four hours, 45 minutes, five hours. It's been a pretty hectic week. But yeah, it's, it's running around between basically high fives and mid sixes. Now... You could say, oh, my God, Dave's going to die. He's not getting eight hours a night. Look, sleeping better is more important than sleeping more. 
And you look at my sleep efficiency score on my Aura Ring, it's always like 90% plus because I'm getting all REM or deep sleep and very little light sleep. And no. the studies show the people who live the longest sleep six and a half hours a night. And there's a reason for that. Because they're uh, no, actually, just in terms of overall mortality oh, from in general. All, right. The reason is, is really straightforward. People who are healthier need less sleep. Yeah. Because their mitochondria work better, because sleep is a mitochondrial activity. The pump that, that pumps your brain clean of fluid at night is driven by mitochondria. So what happens, this is fascinating, when darkness falls and your brain knows darkness falls via signaling through the melanopsin sensors, then the cells in your brain shrink dramatically and they basically take all of the, not all, a lot of the water inside them and wash it out. And then they, they, you flush that water out through the cerebral spinal fluid called the glymphatic system. And then you pump in fresh water that lets you get rid of proteins that build up during the day. So it's basically a brainwash that happens at night. Sorry, why are proteins building up during the day? Uh, just from metabolic activities in the brain. Okay. Right? So, oh, by the way, if you have less toxins, you need less brain cleaning too. That, that's Makes a side sense. effect. So you want to sleep better. You're like, how can I bind toxins, take in less toxins, and then increase the efficiency and power of the system that cleans my brain. And magically, I needed less sleep. Like, that's kind of a good trick. Yeah, okay. So, well, incidentally, there's a, I don't know if it's still around, but there's an app called Bedpost. Have you ever heard of that one? So uh, the one for like people who are like sex pervert addicts, right? So it's basically so sleep one of your cycle. Ones, it's basically yeah, exactly. Of course, it's. That, <laughs> I, don't, I don't care about sleep. I just care about sex activity duration. It's but the, the thing that's funny is it's basically the same app with a different GUI on it. So is it really? I had no idea. It's the exact same measuring system. It's the bed posted app. That's why those guys never return my calls. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I, I I'm not sure how entirely accurate it is, but I can tell you it's it, from a bed post perspective. It, it says I'm great. <laughs> yeah. you're, just, totally you're just amazing Dave that's what I've, I've never tried that out but I did post about it when it first well, came out I mean you know I think enlightened people don't have sex in bed anyway so <laughs> I had no idea we were gonna go there yeah <laughs> always well I mean hey you wrote the better baby book right so you're I, yeah you know I, I, all about I designed stuff. get some ice cream right? yes exactly get some ice cream yeah. I gotta say, I might have to shave my head. You look so cool in those true dark glasses. Like I, I you look f- like Vin Diesel or something. I have to say, I feel cool. I, um, I'm, have you ever I'm taking, seen? Pitch I'm taking Dar- a selfie of you. This. <laughs> have you ever seen Pitch Dark? Uh, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, so that was the one. He, and, and by the way, I don't know if they have that treatment now. They can what treatment? The, they can do this thing to your eyes, so you can see at night. Apparently, it's a it's a. Uh, it's only good for like twenty four hours. Yeah, yeah, something like, like that. a jellyfish thing. Yes, I wanted to do that. Yeah. There's a few other eye, eye hacking things, and it, it's funny. Your eyes are one of the most mitochondria-dense parts of the body. They're connected to the brain. They're almost like part of the brain. Okay. So when you fix your mitochondria or you just give yourself more mitochondrial energy, your visual acuity can improve, like even over a short period of time. And if you do some of the other things, like ultraviolet exposure that are in the book, your nearsightedness can correct itself. So getting no nice. sunlight exposure can actually cause you to become nearsighted. It's not just looking at screens. The screens have blue light that is bad for your eyes and probably moves you in the wrong direction, but it's lack of ultraviolet. Interesting. Okay. So that, I guess that, that does make sense in why so many office workers end up having to get glasses at some point. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And also the windows all have UV filtering stuff on them and they didn't used to many years ago. The, okay. I, yeah, no, so no, if no, you're no. in your car, you're not getting ultraviolet. 
Well, so actually, there's a really interesting picture I once saw of a uh, a truck driver. He'd been a truck driver for like 40 years, and um, this side of his face was all wrinkled, and the other <laughs> one wasn't because yeah. the, it was only filtering UVA, I think. Or UV- UVB. Or UVA UVB, is yeah. more damaging, right? Well, all right. So it was only filtering UVB. So on the- how mean is that? UVB is the stuff that activates your vitamin D, and UVA causes skin damage. So I'm relatively pale right now. And I do 10 to 20 minutes a day of tanning, but I do it with a high UVB, low UVA lamp. So I'm not causing damage to my skin, but I am activating the vitamin D in my body. So it's not high dose. The idea is just because something is good for you doesn't mean it should be the only thing you do. And just because something is bad for you doesn't mean you should never do it. Almost everything in biology has either you or an in-shaped response curve. So at the very low end, like table salt, right? If you have no sodium, your risk of a heart attack goes way up. And if you have lots of sodium, like way a lot more than you'd think, like probably five times the recommended dose today, your risk can go up, but doesn't always. So now it's huge variance. So people are like salt is bad, therefore I'll have no salt. But you're making your heart attack risk worse by going zero salt. Even the current recommendations from the American government are, are set at levels where if you actually follow them, which no one does, <laughs> you would increase your heart attack risk. The reason we, there's a reason we don't. It's because our bodies know we need salt and they tell us to eat it. Sure. Well, and, and so one of your newer supplements that you come out with is an iodine supplement, right? Yep. So there's so many different reasons to take iodine, but what's the main benefit? And why is that one of the, you know, one of the ones you focus on now? Iodine is required for your thyroid to function. And if your thyroid doesn't function, the mitochondria in your cells don't (laughs) don't make much energy, and then you get hangry and hypoglybitchy, and you just run at half power. I lived this. As I I made $6 million in Silicon Valley, I had developed Hashimoto's thyroiditis. I was obese. I had very, very low testosterone. Basically, my biology was breaking down. And it sucked. And I, I'm just not going back there. Like, there's all these hacks and tweaks and, like, performance upgrades you can do. And if you're not getting iodine, probably a, a little more iodine you're going to get from your iodized table salt, which is what's a relatively low-dose supplement that we make. But it's, it's pretty powerful stuff. There's a couple other things that are, are worth mentioning. There's something called BDNF. Mm-hmm. And I know because of your bed-posted comment that you think it's some sort of thing they do in San Francisco. And I got to say, all right, I'm, I'm a little embarrassed to, because I have mind-reading capabilities mm-hmm. here. No, okay. uh, BDNF is brain-derived. Happy to embarrass you. I think, I think you're blushing a little bit. No, uh, I wouldn't be able to tell with these on. That's right. <laughs> uh, brain-derived nootropic factor. Did you see how I stuck with my thought? Yeah, yeah, it was it. perfect. So my, my brain is The Garnick effect is strongly in effect right now. <laughs> what were we talking about? <laughs> Just giving you a hard Labrador time. <laughs> Brain-derived nootropic factor is something that causes your brain to be more neuroplastic and to be able to grow. You get it from exercise. You get it from intermittent fasting. You get it from high-intensity interval training. You get it from cold water exposure. Hmm. Seems like good stuff. Almost all the practices here in Headstrong either can or do increase BDNF. But there's a supplement that raises BDNF four times more than exercise. It's called Neuromaster, and it's something we just added to the Bulletproof supplement line. And the interesting thing is it's a a rare polyphenol that comes from the fruit of coffee, not from green coffee or Uh roasted coffee or any of that stuff. And polyphenols are these, we like to say antioxidants from, uh, from fruits and berries and vegetables and things like that. But that's not really a good description of what they are. They're signaling molecules for your mitochondria, and they're vital to life. They're also probiotics for certain kinds of bacteria in your gut that can only sustain themselves on polyphenols, which mm-hmm. is one reason coffee is so important. 
But this one polyphenol has that effect of being able to raise BDNF so you can have a plastic brain. So if you're going to go and do more learning, this is really powerful. Blueberries do it to a certain extent. Ayahuasca does it to a certain extent. Electrical stimulation of the brain does it to a certain extent. So the idea is all these practices have some commonalities. And what do you think drives BDNF and neuroplasticity? It starts with an M and ends in mitochondria. Amtor? <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh-huh. Okay. So... Uh, and it, it's called Neuromaster. Is there, what's the scientific name? Uh, it's actually, there's two different extracts. They're patented. Of, oh, okay. Of, it's coffee fruit, but it's a certain type of extract of it. Interesting. Okay. Very cool. So, uh, all right. So that's iodine and, the, and, the, and Neuromaster. Uh, what are some other supplements that people may not be aware of that they should be taking? Uh, one of them is a rare ketone, different than these exogenous ketone salts. Uh, I recommend brain octane as a source of ketones that you can get mm-hmm. from from your food rather than having to go on a, a high-fat, low-carb diet. Uh, the salts have a set of mitochondrial risks associated with them, according to uh, Dr. Veach, who's out there, uh, and has done 40 years of research, including with Hans Krebs himself, who named the Krebs cycle after his own work. So we have some experts in the house saying, eh, maybe you don't want to put those, those uh, non-bioidentical ketones in. But when you're using... Uh, brain octane, that's a really powerful supplement, but it makes something called beta-hydroxybutyrate, which is something that leads into the Krebs cycle in order to give you energy. The last step of the Krebs cycle, after you've made all your electrons, you should have this compound called ketosuccinic acid, and that's why it's called keto prime. This is the, the version that we make. What it does is it primes the pump for the next circle. And if you have any leaks at any one of the kabillion places that you can have something break down and not work perfectly... You will, it'll show up as a lack of this compound. So you can take this compound and then your body's able to fulfill the Krebs cycle again, which is a band-aid approach. It's actually a band-aid that tops off what you can do. And this is really crazy, but you have somewhere around 50 grams of ATP in your body right now. ATP is this energy producing molecule that your, your cells allegedly make. Well, as your Krebs cycle works, you take ATP and you strip off one of the P's and becomes ADP. And then if your Krebs cycle works, you put a phosphorus back on and then you just keep using this molecule over and over unless you're out of ketosuccinic acid. And then essentially this 50 uh, 50 grams becomes 400 pounds of ATP produced during the day. It's recycled that much. So a tiny increase in the amount of ATP can be amplified so much because of the recycling rate. That's why you put a little lozenge under your tongue and you're like, what just happened? So people are using this for athletic performance. They're using it like when they well, I feel brain fog coming on, they take it. And like, I don't feel brain fog anymore. I wonder what just happened. I'm like, well, it's, it's pretty predictable. What happened is your cells got the ability to make energy at the rate they wanted to because whatever was limiting their rate was basically taken out of the equation. Hey, you didn't give the name of that one. That's called Keto Prime. Okay. It's a lozenge. It's a lozenge, yeah. I'll, I'll give you some. Yeah, well, I'm, okay, I have I'm, some I'm, in my bag. It, the, 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 I mean, pretty much... Everyone can take this however they want, especially after the bed posted comment. But every time I see you, basically just tell me you put something in my mouth, basically. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, that's my new ringtone. There you go. First time Let's it was it was up, it was unfair advantage. Second time was was uh, sprayable nicotine. So now <laughs> it'll be uh, ketone lozenges. Well, I want to ask you about forty years of Zen, and this is a selfish thing. I mean, you talk okay. about it all the time, but you own it now, right? Yeah, and I mean, I've always owned Forty Years Zen, but I just work with partners. Okay, and I've worked with several different partners over the years on just bringing neurofeedback out. And finally, it was like we need custom hardware and custom software, so we developed uh, some stuff that's not available anywhere else. And the results have been 
way stronger than anything I used to do. Well, and we're talking about raising IQ points. Like, yeah. So well, first of all, this is on the bucket list. This is something that I really want to do. How often do you do it? Well, 40 Years of Zen, it's a, it's a five-day program. It's at a place that looks like Xavier's School for the Gifted. Like it's a 7,000 square foot executive mansion with only this facility in it. There's a, a chef who prepares custom meals for mitochondrial enhancement. We use the full stack of Bulletproof mitochondrial enhancers because here's the deal. It's $15,000. There's a team of like neuroscientists and, and facilitators like like tuning your brain. We can do about 200 people a year. It's a small, like very high end, mm-hmm. very custom thing because it's like racing car mechanics don't work at Jiffy Lube. Like you can take right. a credit Jiffy Lube or you can just like, I want an upgrade. So when you're there, we, we do this stuff because you can do between two and three times more training before you hit the wall when your mitochondria work right. So we support your mitochondria when you're there. There's acupuncture, uh, there's essential oils, uh, there's Chinese herbs. Like there's every single thing you can do that I know of to increase and support your functions so your brain can do what it's capable of doing. Then there's a a program um, that that I developed around uh, a personal development that's guided by neurofeedback. So you can't lie to yourself about what you're doing. And you go through this augmented reset process. But the last two days are what's really interesting. Remember, every time a neuron fires, it fires because of mitochondria. The mitochondria have the ability to say no and to block it. In fact, they will resist this to the, to the very extent they can. And when you do 40 years of Zen the last couple of days, we can actually train voltage in the brain. Voltage comes from mitochondria. You can train the mitochondria in your head to make more electricity, which holy crap, right? Yeah. You can also train neurons to fire faster than they normally do. So what do you care about as an athletic person? You care about speed and strength, right? What do you care about in your neurons? It's speed and strength. They're trainable. They're tunable. And the bottom line is bacteria are terribly stupid, but this distributed system of bacteria is relatively trainable. So you can train it. And every time, every time you do it, you see shifts in what your, your brain is capable of doing. Every time you run the augmented reset process and you successfully do it, you see a change in your brain and it sticks. And you're like, wow, what used to be a source of an, of an energy drain for me, where I would have an automated just visceral response to a situation, it's like the response got turned off. So now all the energy I would have put into managing my response just goes away. So it frees up a ton of energy. So the answer for me, I've spent about four months of my life with electrodes glued to my head. Uh, I, I run protocols that are not on the menu, like very advanced meditation protocol stuff. And I have a full setup at home. <laughs> so yeah. it, rather than going, we have these like big alien looking pods at 40 Years of Zen now. Um, that we just had custom made because one of the things you need to be able to do is you need to feel really safe. So we have these enclosed spaces that you can uh, that are part of this because if you want to really dig deep into your nervous system, you just have to have to have that you sense of nervous. control, right? <laughs> and so I don't have one of those where I am, but the, in terms of the core gear, so I can sit there at night when my kids and my wife are asleep, and I can you know, go into very very deep meditation states that would take days to get into with meditation, and I do. That's awesome. Yeah, so that's something that uh, I'm very much you, wanting to you've, do. You've got to come out. It's uh, it, it's a big thing. Is that up by you in Victoria? It's in Seattle. Okay, 
yeah, I think that's uh, that's gonna be the retreat for it, Nick and I. It it is the single biggest upgrade I've ever done in my life to do neurofeedback. No, but neurofeedback, you can just you can go anywhere and, and get a little bit of it. Right. The problem is that to dig really deep and to reset things requires a, a process that goes along with it, and you won't do it in an hour a day, once or twice a week. You'll still get benefits. Like I'm a fan of that. You can also do harm with with it if it's the wrong setup for your brain. But to go really deep, you have to go in and uh, and and just focus the time. Yeah. Especially if you're a high-performing executive, you're too smart. <laughs> you're going to have to fight your smartness for a little while to, to get inside. Well, now you just have to provide them with a, a team of assistants to deal with their company while they're working in there. <laughs> I like it. I, I've been using Get Leverage more lately. It's, it's, it's been really helpful. Thank you. Thank you. I had to, I had to put that in. Uh, so uh, in terms of some gadgets that, uh, other, you know, not, uh, not 40 years of Zen, but things that are, a little, that are a little more accessible to the public, one of the things that you have on right now, which is I'm a little envious of, is the constant glucose monitoring system. So yeah. is that is the patch up here on your arm? Yeah, it's, it's called the Freestyle Libre. And you can't get these in the U.S. because they might not be safe. Oh. <laughs> uh, so they're not approved here yet. Why? Because healthcare should be expensive in the United States because, damn it, billionaires have to eat. Uh-huh. And you can buy them from Europe on eBay, which is uh, what I did. Or maybe some, one of the team in Europe actually might have sent it to me. So what it is is it's a little patch, and I don't think I can roll my sleeve up enough. Well, it's, it's poking through, yeah. It's, yeah like, it, about, it's like a quarter. Yeah, it's about the size of a quarter, and it's got a little flexible needle that sticks in your arm. It's painless to put in. You don't even feel it. It feels like you're giving yourself like a rubber stamp, uh-huh. and then it's in. And for the next two weeks, I run my little near-field monitor over it. Look at that blood sugar go up. It's uh, it's 8.2 because I had some kombucha and some blueberries before this. I can tell you when I'm not like completely jet-lagged at the end of like a super intense day, um, I usually run about 4.8. Uh-huh. So this is basically postprandial for me. Right. Um, but it's it's still at the the upper edge that they look at here is nine, so I'm below what they would consider normal. But but my normal like in the morning is around 4.8. And then I'll stay in for two weeks. Yeah, it stays on for two weeks. That's, I mean, that's incredible. Because uh, if you ask, like, really accomplished biohackers or really, like, high, uh, the quantitative self guys that are really doing a lot, everybody wants constant glucose monitoring. Like, that's, there, the, that's the one. There's one upgrade from this. So this works every time I, I wave it over my arm. It, it'll do that. Yeah. There's one that just, like, does it's data recording and, and sends it out all the time that's a little bit more expensive. I would have rather actually had one of those, but I don't know. I, I asked uh, my... My virtual assistant to order it. They ordered the wrong one, but it wasn't your virtual. Assistant. I'm kidding. I'm totally making this up. Your 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 people, in my experience, don't make mistakes like that. To be honest. Oh well, thank you very much. Roughly, how much is that? Uh, I sent an email that said I wanted it, and the fairies made it appear. Fair enough. So so one one of the things that I do. It's got to be under a grand. It was under a grand. Yeah. yeah. Like, so. but whether it was three hundred or, or eight hundred, I I've spent a million dollars on hacking myself, yeah. and it's the most important investment I know how to make. So. Unless it's like multiple thousands of dollars, it's probably going to appear when the biohacking fairy comes. So is there another, something else like on par with another gadget that you've been playing with? We talked about the True Dark glasses. What else Yeah, do I'm I have? loving these, by the way. Uh, these are kind of cool. So I, there's a lot of, of, a lot written that's never really been written down about uh, light in the brain. And this is something that we do at 40 Years of Zen, something I do at home. Uh, but let's see what's going on here. We have, oh, that's the container for Keto Prime, but it's empty. And it had coffee in it because I was making, I was using it to store my coffee. Mm-hmm. Let's see what else. When I when I go out to uh, when I go out on the town and I want coffee, I carry one of those, and then I just ask for hot water at my favorite uh, my favorite coffee place, and then I add my own coffee to it. Well, just while you're looking for that, I don't know if I mentioned this to you, but we had a pretty special task. We had to get bulletproof coffee delivered to a client who was speaking in uh, in New Jersey, and it was uh, an urgent task for us. And there's 
basically three restaurants in the city that make really really make bulletproof coffee. You know, Whole Foods used to have their Mammoth Coffee, which is not the same well, thing. Whole Foods now uses Brain Octane. Now they yeah. do, but Mammoth Coffee was kind of gross. Uh, <laughs> no, because well, it was it was just coconut oil and, and yeah. coffee and yeah, you know. it was it wasn't the right stuff. No. So uh, anyway, that was that was one of our our. Well, they, uh, we, we're we're really closely partnered with Whole Foods. They totally got it. Yeah, so I, I love Whole Foods. Yeah. Oh, so what's this? So this is a, a nasal laser, or actually this is an LED because it's made in the U.S. It's lasers everywhere else. This is a red light. You just clip it into your nose. It's actually made by Victoria's Secret because it's super sexy looking. <laughs> I mean, I mean, look at this thing. It, uh, it's the wonder nasal cavity thing. Yeah, exactly. So what it does, and this, this is actually the infrared one, although this is the power supply for the red one. So when you shine infrared light or red light on the brain... Infrared light changes the structure of water in your brain. Did I just say structure of water? Am I now uh, am, am I now worthy of being trolled? <laughs> Here's the deal. I had the guy who's the chief editor of the journal Water speak at the Bulletproof Conference, a bioengineering guy who's about as far opposite of woo as you can think of. There's stuff about water that we missed that is now well-proven and well-established. It's called the exclusion zone of water. And uh, it, what affects it? Infrared light. What part of the body makes infrared light? Could it be your mitochondria? Yes, it is. Mitochondria need water that's been structured by infrared light or vibration in order to function right. So you can shine infrared light on the bottom of the brain, which gives your brain an upgrade to its water, and it uses water basically to store energy. You can also use red light there, which increases energy in the brain. So sometimes if I'm like like on an airplane, I'll do this, which totally makes the stewardesses really happy. Uh, and oftentimes just before I go to bed, you do this for a half hour or something. So that would, that would be like exposing yourself to, red, to exogenous red light, basically, or yeah. it's just more powerful? It's more yeah. powerful because the bottom of the brain is relatively accessible through the sinus cavity. That's kind so, of funny, right? Yeah. And, shine a light and it's just like, you know, it, it's super sexy to have like a big cord hanging out of your nose. My, my wife loves it, you know. The other thing is a gold-fashioned heart rate variability monitor. You clip the thing on your ear. Stick it into your iPhone, do some breathing exercises, and make it turn green. Here's what's going on. Every time your body goes into fight-or-flight mode, there is a signal from the heart that's an electromagnetic signal that is picked up by all of the mitochondria in your body and probably some other signaling as well, too. And then it basically says, get ready to run and kill. It's called a sympathetic nervous system response. Well, when that happens, it dysregulates your your battery system because now it's like go go into run and fight mode instead of build new protein mode or build new neuron mode. Yeah. So if you can feel what it's like to have that happen and then you can consciously turn it off, when you consciously turn it off, it makes the mitochondria reset themselves. So heart rate variability is much more important than you think it would be. Yeah, sure. This is the I heart math device. Cool. Awesome. So before I get to the final question and give that to you, did you want to see if you got a uh, URL? All right, let's see if I got a URL. <laughs> and while you're getting that, the last question, which you have answered before because you've been on the podcast before, is, although actually, so the last question is usually, what are your top three pieces of advice to be more effective? But the truth is that you have two weeks worth of how to be more effective in this book. So I might have to ask you a different question. You can ask me a different question. I think I got a link. Let's see. If people go to orderheadstrong.com, where's that supposed to go? Oh, man, orderheadstrong.com. You get a free chapter is the promo. Okay. So, Great. And I might as well mention this since we're still on Facebook Live. Yes. All right. If you go to headstrongtour.com, I'm doing live events where you can be part of the studio audience for an episode of Bulletproof Radio, hear from a local like high-end expert, and uh, get a bunch of free prizes, including we're giving away one space to 40 Years of Zen. 
which is oh, a, it, that's a fifteen thousand dollar prize for like a couple thousand people. I've I've no idea how many people are going to actually buy tickets, but it's it, it's a pretty big yeah, that's prize. That's pretty good. And a bunch of other like bulletproof prizes. We'll be handing out some some of the True Dark glasses, and uh, we'll be handing out some Neuromaster and some of these other things. So it's a chance to sample bulletproof products and other things like the glasses and Forty Years of Zen that aren't uh, aren't directly bulletproof products, but are things that I I support. And the New York one's tomorrow, right? New York one is tomorrow. Yeah. And then there's ones for the next week or so. The whole schedule's at Headstrong Tour. Let's see, LA, San Diego, San Francisco, Austin, Chicago. Did I miss anywhere? I don't know. You weren't counting? <laughs> well, I only care about New York. So, and, <laughs> and who's the local expert here? Morgan Spurlock. Ah, is he bulletproof? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> we'll find out on stage. Because he, he maybe went bulletproof for 30 days. Uh, he, I have no idea if he's bulletproof. If he did, we'd know it because he just—he'd be so ripped he couldn't stand it. No, uh, but we're just going to talk about like food, right? And, yeah. and there's, there'll be an interesting conversation there. He's—he's—he's um, uh, he's, he's had a big difference with his uh, supersize me. Yeah, sure. Well, okay. Before I get to the last question, actually, so can you tell me about a uh, biohacking experiment or food experiment, or whatever, that went badly? Uh, Other than geez. burning yourself with the uh, the infrared, uh, yeah, I mean, you fell asleep I, with. I, I definitely got first degree ice burns over fifteen percent of my body too, versus yeah. infrared burns. Infrared burns are worse, I'll tell you. <laughs> but ice burns suck if you get a lot of them. Oh my god, my inflammation markers were elevated for like two months from that. Yeah. So, I mean, I've blended all sorts of weird crap into my bulletproof coffee over the years, like like to get to the recipe, and sometimes I'm like, what would happen if? So, <laughs> not that long ago, I was like the butter was frozen because I hadn't taken it out of the freezer and I have a lot of butter in my freezer. And I'm like, I don't want to make my coffee too cold. So I put the brain octane in it and I threw in half an avocado and I blended it up. And sounds like the consistency was like boiled okra. It was the most horrible thing. And I poured it in these cups for my kids. <laughs> and my kids love their bulletproof coffee and they're pretty tolerant. And my daughter takes a drink and she's like, ah, like, what is this? What's wrong with this? And it, it said, just, just don't. Like, like that's all I have to say is don't do that. Don't put avocado and, in your coffee. Yeah. I mean, and there's the most common thing from, from an experiment like that is, is like massive headaches or a brain fog or something. If you do something really, really weird, um, <laughs> trying to think like a, a food experiment, um, the the number one thing that I really ought to just just know, when you look at at a piece of food, and you're like, I wonder if it's too old to eat. The answer is it's yeah, too it's old to eat, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And every time, and I, I almost never do it. Every time I'm like, I should just eat that. I always just regret it. <laughs> the the other thing that's really interesting I've noticed. So I love broccoli and cabbage and cauliflower and things like that, but. I found over the winter that when I eat those, I oftentimes get like this weird like swelling of my sinuses and I get like really tired for an hour or two after I eat it. And it never made any sense to me. Then I finally did the research and figured this out. I live in a wet climate and during winter when rain gets on the brassica family, little known fungus called alternaria forms. Alternaria is one of the toxic fungi and it's called alternaria because it puts you in an altered state. It's a relative of LSD. And every time this happens, I'm also like kind of seeing weird color variations and just feeling like way outside myself. And I'll be damned if I wasn't getting uh, high off the broccoli in my garden because it rained on it. <laughs> so what I do now is I harvest my broccoli in summer and freeze it. So if you feel trippy after eating like winter cabbage and winter like Brussels sprouts, it's actually not all in your head. It's in the stuff that you took. The Russians know a lot about this fungus. It's present in the U.S., but we just pretend like it's not. Huh. I had no idea. That's really interesting. Okay. So last question now. And 
I mean, the 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 three ways to be most effective is the one we always go with, and I I can't think of a better one. Honestly, we usually get the best answers that way. So, what are your top three pieces of advice for people to be more effective? The top three pieces of advice to be more effective are make a lot less decisions. Yeah. Right. And you've just you've got to do that. I mean, you've you've seen my calendar. Let's see if I don't like this is. I don't think people will be able to read this unless you do a screen capture or something. But like, that's my calendar. Like there's yeah. there's no gaps in there. I don't waste any time. You think I filled that up? It would take me an entire week to fill my calendar this densely. It's like playing Tetris perfectly. <laughs> so that's important because I know I'm doing the right things. Uh, by the way, like I, I'm going on Dr. Oz, which is really cool in a couple of days. I like just found that out today. But like, okay, the calendar magically rearranged itself when yeah. uh, when Dr. Oz was kind enough to uh, to announce that. I'm like, this is this is cool. So I I keep. I, I keep doing that all the time. So just less decisions. When someone in my company comes to me and says, what should we do? What should we do? I'm like, let me get this straight. You've been studying the problem for a long time and you don't have an opinion? Okay, I'm the CEO. I have not been studying the problem for a long time. So if you want me to do your job for you, could you please get all of the research and notes and all of the knowledge and let's do a situation briefing and then I can make the decision for you? Or why do you come to me and say, Here's the situation. I think we should do this, but I don't have a high degree of certainty. Do you agree with this assessment or is there more information that I need? Then I'm like, hallelujah. Mm -hmm. Because if you're going to make me make the decision, you're going to have to arm me to make the decision. Right. So it's pushing back, but pushing back in a way that's that's high integrity is, is really important. Well, it's empowering, actually, yeah. the way you're putting that. So, Yeah, it, it is. But if you push back, you know, why didn't you come to me with a solution? You end up with people who are afraid. Like, right. oh, don't, never come without a solution. And then they, they hide information from you. And that's not good either. So that's number one. Number two, if you are not maximizing the amount of power in your biology by taking care of, of how it works, your capacity to do things is, is limited. Like if you had 20% more capacity that you never tapped into, you'd never know it was there and it's probably there. All right. And uh, what's the exact way? Like I'm just kind of talking about stuff that helps. What's the exact thing you're looking for? Most effective. Most to make you more effective. So have more energy, waste less energy on bad decisions would be those two things. The third thing that makes you more effective is actually the fourth mitochondrial behavior we talked about. So we talked about how mitochondria um, in, in Headstrong, they want to eat everything, right? They want to kill or hide or run away from other things, and they want to screw everything else, right? So it's the fourth thing, form a biofilm. That's a core drive we have as well, and that's to form a community. So if you want to be more effective, you better have a community. The thing is, your biology won't support you building an effective community, even though it's required for you to be happy. It'll only do that if your other base needs are met at a cellular level and at a, at a broader organism level. But if you're not doing the work to form a community of people who are supportive, you won't be very effective. Those are awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dave. It's always, always a pleasure to talk to you, and I always learn something or multiple things. So uh, people can go to headstrongtour.com to find out about the tour right now, especially if you're watching this live. And otherwise, still bulletproofexec.com, right? Or just bulletproof.com. Just bulletproof.com for the blog, for the podcast, and to get uh, the book. So, Dave, thank you. Appreciate Thanks, it. everything you do. Thanks, everybody, for watching. i got to get you to a special dinner now. Awesome. Want to create more positive leverage in your life? Visit www.getleverage.com to access additional interviews, our blog, and more. Be sure to subscribe to hear a new episode every week.